guys ready to get in the word today? We're going to stick with finding your identity in Christ. We've kind of laid a little bit of a foundation. Today, we are turning a corner and we're going to go a lot deeper in this subject. So, guys, finding our identity in Christ is so important because as Christians, we have to learn how to walk in him. I mean, we are in him, we have to learn how to walk in him. Now, here's the thing. It's the most natural thing in the world to do it. The, your, your very nature, your very instinct is to believe God, to walk by faith, to walk and yield to the love of God, to be led by the spirit of God in the midst of chaos and turmoil in this world, to fix your eyes on Jesus, never to be moved. That's your instinct. That's how you were made. And if you don't live that way, there's what we call inner turmoil in your life. The only way, and what, what a lot of believers do, is there's, there's inner turmoil, so then they start blocking that out, and it creates blind spots in their life. You know, And that's what we want to get out of. Because you are not here for you on this earth. You are here literally to to literally be Jesus on this earth to be light in this world to yield all of your fruit and as you are pouring out as you worship him outward as you pour out to other people then God sits pastor Dave was talking about it today he harvests into you right but these two series we're in right now this series on finding your identity the series on Wednesday about meditating in the word, these are two pieces to the puzzle. You, you'll never find your identity in Christ if you don't meditate in the word of God. You know, and then all of a sudden you'll get it backwards and we're gonna see that today. God has a divine pattern of salvation, a divine pattern, and religion gets it backwards. So we have to talk about these things. So, as we've said before, every week, my complete and total identity is in Jesus Christ. My complete and total identity comes from Jesus Christ. Not partially, not 99%, 100% of who I am, who you are, comes from Jesus. We call that the doctrine of identification. You are identified with Christ, okay? So we also said, and, and as we started this series, we looked at that uh, biblical principle that as we discover and see who he is, that's how we come to know who we are. If you don't come to see who he is, you won't ever know who you are in him because you are identified in him. Everything you are comes from him. Isn't that amazing, right? And we said this, the byproduct of that, Christianity, what we call Christianity, which is a relationship with God. It's God loved us, so now we love him as a result of him loving us. He came looking for us while we were dead and separated from him. And he took our place he completely bore all of our spiritual death, all of our sin, so that we could be made the righteousness of Almighty God in him. He came to give us the life of God and to give it to us more abundantly, right? So let's go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is a scripture we've looked at before, but we are going to go a lot deeper so your understanding of this is going to greatly increase. Paul writing says this, I am crucified with Christ. Well, Paul, how in the world could you be crucified with Christ? He was crucified before you ever knew him. Okay? Now remember what I said, we have to learn how to live in him. Every issue in your life that is not good, that frustrates you, every issue, is a result of you not living 
knowing that you're in him. Right? So I have been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. Okay? Now, when was Jesus crucified? A.D. 30? A.D. 32? You know, 1900 and like 90-some years ago? I was, I, and so were you, crucified with him before you were ever born on the earth. Figure that out, right? Nevertheless, I live. But then look at what Paul says, yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. See, Christianity is not about you living for Christ. It's about Christ living through you, right? So, nevertheless, I live, but wait a minute, yet not I, it's Christ that's living in me. And this life that I live in the flesh, now I live it, how? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is huge. See, Paul is talking about right here our identification. He's talking about our identification with the crucifixion, right? The burial, the resurrection, and the ascension. Our identification with these things. I was crucified with him. I was buried with him in baptism. I was raised to a new life. This is all Romans chapter 6. I was identified with his crucifixion and with his resurrection. I was raised to a new life. I am now positionally seated in heaven at the Father's right hand in Christ. That's where I am positionally. Temporally, I'm here, right? This is what Satan is going to do to you. He's going to try to do everything he can to get you to define your life and who you are and what's possible based on your temporal truth. And he never wants you to know what your positional truth is, right? Identification. What are we talking about here? And this is, we got to go a little deeper now. This is not just, well, you know, I get my identity from Jesus. That's great. The word identification literally means to treat or to consider as one in the same. Now, this takes it much deeper. Identical, it means identical. When I say I'm identified with Jesus, I'm saying I'm identical to Jesus. And when you get a revelation of that, now am I the head of the church? Am I the Lord of all? No. I'm God's child. But I'm identical to him. That's why he said, listen, as I am, so are you in this world. If you don't understand identification, that you'll just read over that and you won't even have any idea what that means. The works that I do, greater works shall you do because I go to my Father. Right? You won't understand that. Whoever says that he's his ought to, and abides in him ought to walk just like he walked. These are big statements. But this is why. You were treated with his condition. Why? Because he was treated with your condition and my condition. He was made to bear our spiritual death. All of our sin, he bore all of our sickness and disease. He bore all of our poverty and lack. He literally was made a curse on the cross so that you and I could be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Him. We have to, everything is in Him. All the promises of God are yes and so be it unto me in Him. Right? 
So everything Jesus did, everything Jesus did, he did for us. He did on our behalf. Therefore, we're identified with him. See, the Bible, the Bible is a legal document, right? And, and literally, why is it a legal document? Because it's signed in the very blood of Jesus. This is a legal document. If this says he's given this something to you, it's yours. And there is nothing in the world that could ever snatch that away. Now, whether or not you grab hold of it is going to be dependent upon whether you believe it. But guys, we don't want to get to heaven and find out we struggled financially our whole life. And get to heaven and go, oh my goodness, why in the world did I ever struggle? Why did I struggle with sickness and disease when healing was mine? So see, this is why we have to learn how to live in him. All these doctrines about God blesses some and not others, when you look at the Bible, make no sense. Right? But you have to see it. Remember, you got to see it. What am I saying? This is a legal book signed in the blood of Jesus. So now you carry some legal identification with you, right? Like in the natural, you have a, maybe a passport. You have a driver's license. It's a legal documentation of you, right? A social security card. Well, you have some spiritual legal identif identification, right? This is who I am. Who is that? This is who I am because of the blood of Jesus. I have been washed. I have a legal document that says I am brand new, free from sin. I've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. I am unblameable. I'm unaccusable. I'm quoting scripture right now, right? I am holy before him. I'm called, I'm ordained. Well, yeah, you're a pastor. No, 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 no. All of us, you are called, you are ordained, right? I've got a piece of paper that says I'm ordained. You know what that means to me? Nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I mean, it's great that I got that piece of paper and I really appreciated hands being laid on me and all that was imparted. That's wonderful. But everything that was imparted to me was not from a man. It wasn't from Brother Hagen. It wasn't from Pastor Hagen. It was from the head of the church, Jesus. Everything in you is the same thing. You are in him. This is awesome. I've been sanctified. You have too. Do you realize right now you have been sanctified, set apart for the master's use? Wow. He has a plan for your life. It's not by chance. Like when Pastor Dave gets up here and talks to visitors about, listen, we'd love to have you, and if God plants you here, great. Man, we'll, we, we will rejoice in that. However, you got to get planted where God wants you because that's where he's the head of the church, and those gifts and callings and anointings in you are necessary for the vision to go forth. That's why I pray for you guys. I pray that you won't get distracted in the world and think that you're too tired to serve God. Think that you're just too busy with life, which is passing away. Right? We should have, we should have literally a line of people wanting to serve in the church. Right? Well, I'm just too tired. No. No, brother, you're not too tired. Right? And if, and if you're older... And, and you can't move very well, you know, probably the toddler area is not your area. Because they duck and move real fast. Right? But you know, every one of you, every one of you bring a supply of the Spirit to this church. The, the wonderful environment that's here right now is a result of you. You bring a supply. And the more that you're aware of that, you'll stop coming to church for you. And you'll start coming to church to bless the Lord and to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters. And instantly you'll get 10,000 times more, right? Because you'll start to know who you are. So now, because of this legal identification, 
I have access, so do you, into the very holy of holies, the very presence of God. I have access, and now I can receive everything that he has provided for me in Christ. I have legal access. Wow. So as we're sitting here today, what, what does that mean? Well, let's just talk about it. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So poverty and lack, you've been redeemed from it. Amen. It has, it literally, you've been bought out of it and taken somewhere else. It has no legal right. If you're in any kind of lack at all, and what is, well, you know, I'm not really in lack. I could pay my bills. No, that's lack. If you don't have plenty left over to give and sow whatever God puts on your heart, then that's lack, right? And for all of us, that's different. For some people here, you're to sow millions and millions of dollars into the kingdom of God. Amen. And you might be sitting here going, well, you know, that's just for those people that make more money. No, 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 no. No, this is, we're talking about all of us have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Listen, man, you could work for minimum wage and be a multi-billionaire if you learn who you are in Christ. Because he's the source, right? Jesus instituted an eternal jubilee for us. That means, that means debt cancellation. So if you have any debt in your life, do you realize that you literally have a covenant with God where he says, I will take care of that debt. Amen. Whether through increase in your life or just cancellation, supernatural stuff. But the thing is, we can't lay hold of it if we don't see it. And we'll never be able to see it if we don't know who we are. God, you know, you know how people have come against the prosperity message. Do you know how a lack of finances will cause you to think more about money? But when you realize that it doesn't matter what my bank account says, that I have an, a limitless supply because my father is my source. And now I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. I'm living out of purpose and destiny. God, what do you want me to do? Oh, you want me to sow $2 million? Okay, well, I make $15 an hour and I can't really, you know, I'm just getting by or I'm not even getting by, but that's okay. All I got to do is go, hey, Father, if that's what you want, two million bucks, no problem. Right now, Father, I claim two million dollars in this earth system. Now, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. I command you to take your hands off that two million dollars. And now angels of God that are sent forth to minister for me, you go into the earth system and you bring that back to me. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm yielded to you. What do you want me to do? Right? And then all that's left to do is thank him. And when the money comes in, you sow it. Amen. Could you imagine? I mean, you sow $2 million. Look out. Because it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Right? This is, but see, we got to renew our minds to this. We're all caught up in, oh, those pastors, they don't talk about money. I get upset. Well, go somewhere that doesn't. It's, it's really weird how, how even pastors will come against that, and yet they'll take an offering. What are you doing? Or people will come against the prosperity thing. I'm like, okay, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, I'm going to work. Why? Come on, brother. Embrace it. Right? Just embrace it. I mean, we were in Greece. We've been in monasteries that monks literally had to scale up walls, built these monasteries on top of cliffs, inaccessible places, so that they could be in solitude and serve God. Have you read the Bible? You, I mean, some of these monasteries, remember that? Five to six hundred years it took them to build them. So that they could get away from everybody and not bear any of their fruit. That sounds a lot like I don't know who I am in Christ. Right? But that's not us. We're learning who we are in him. We have been granted identical status with the father that Jesus himself has. Why? Why? 
because we're seated together with Christ. That's huge. Identical righteousness. Look at the Bible, identical authority. Jesus said, all authorities in heaven and on earth have been given to me, and now you go in my name. I give it to you. Wow, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's, wow, right? Identical blessing. Jesus says, all that the Father has is mine, and then it goes on to say that we're joint heirs with Jesus. So because of all that, never, ever, 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 ever let the devil have the last word in your life. Don't ever let him have the last word, right? We are children of God. Hallelujah. See, the devil will try to keep you in the memory of your past disappointments. That's what he tries to do. Don't let him do that. When he talks to you about your past, make sure he goes back far enough. Right? Oh, you did this three years ago. Oh, wait, time out. Yeah, okay, time out. Let's, let's look. Father, go, go ask God. It's empty. There, no, that's gone. But, but Satan, let's talk about past. Go, let's go back, way back to AD 30. When I was crucified with Christ buried with him and then I was raised to a new life far above you right so we were identified with his death his burial his resurrection and his ascension so let's now now okay pastor that sounds great but where is that in the bible right well let's look at it let's go to Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6, verse 3. And oh, I pray that you have ears to hear and, get, and, and take the time to go back and listen to these messages and, and meditate on these scriptures so that you could begin to see in your heart the truth of this because it'll change everything in your life. Romans 6, verse 3. Look at this. It says, Know ye not... That so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together. Now this is a little vague in the King James. Planted together. But this is what that word planted means. It means for if we've been united. That's what that Greek word means. United together. Isn't that amazing? In the likeness of his death, we shall also be, again, united together in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, see this phrase, knowing this in the Greek language means keep this always at the front of your mind because you won't, you won't be able to see that you've been united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection unless you keep this at the front of your mind. Knowing this, that our old man the old man that we were, that had that spiritual death nature, the old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body, do you have a body today? That has sin nature in it, right? That the body of sin might be destroyed. What? Yeah, all this, all this stuff that people go, man, it's just so hard, my flesh. No, it's been destroyed. You just, you just are not knowing something. Well, I'm addicted to this. No, no, you, you, need, you need knowledge that you've been made free. Because unless this is a lie, it's not a lie. 
the body of sin might be destroyed. Might be. Why is it not? Because you don't know. Because you don't keep something at the forefront of your mind. Because you're too busy. Yeah, but you don't understand. I, what I do for my career, it's real busy. Give that over to the Lord and see. He will help you. He will help you. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth or from this time on, we should not serve sin. You should never, ever serve sin. You've been redeemed from it. So now let's jump over to another scripture that says very similar. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says this, And you hath he quickened, that means hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.1 And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Jump down to verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive together with Christ. In other words, you and I have been made alive in Christ. That's where you are. But you have to learn how to live that way. Okay? And today you're going to learn some things about how to live that way. By grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only were you made alive, but you were literally made to sit where at in heavenly places. That's at the right hand of the Father in Christ. That's where you are today. Wow. Okay. Look at, look at Ephesians. You're in Ephesians 2. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places where? In Christ, where you are seated. So not only are you seated at the place of highest authority ever, you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. So would you say Jesus is any more blessed than you? No, you can't, because you're blessed with all of them. Same righteousness, same blessing, same authority. Remember how we said that? Everything that Jesus did, he did for us. Jesus set everything to our account as if we did it. He did it, but it's set to our account. He did it on our behalf. This is identification. This is not just, well, I, you know, I just got to act like Jesus. No, 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 identical. And this is not something you have to do. This is something he did. It's like we were there. Didn't Paul say, Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ. See, all these verses are talking about something that we call substitution, right? Substitution means that Jesus loved you so much that he took your place. He gave himself for you. And it's all been put to your account as if you did it. Wow. Remember this, guys. You and I, are believers. God is the performer. How do I perform? I work out what he works in. I'm not, I'm not working for something. I'm working out something. I'm just, I'm the believer. Isaiah, right, 119, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You delight yourself in my word. You meditate in it day and night. 
And you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Your leaf won't ever wither. You'll yield all your fruit in your season. And everything you do will prosper. Why? Because it'll be brought to maturity. Right? The Lord, read the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. Then, then from then on, it goes this. He does this for me, and he does this for me, and he anoints my head with oil so my cup runs over. He's the performer, I'm just the believer. So, so forget about the how. Well, how in the world am I going to get from here to there? Don't worry about that. You just believe. Very simply, that's what we do, right? One of the, so, so now I want to I take a minute so the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Then you have the book of Acts. And then after the book of Acts, Romans all the way up to Revelation are what's called epistles. Thirteen of them were written by Paul. I think really probably 14 of them. If you want to assign the book of Hebrews to Paul, which makes a lot of sense, who cares? It's all breathed by the Holy Spirit right? But all these epistles, let's talk about the gospels and the epistles. One of the unique things about the Apostle Paul's revelation, what makes it so unique is he talks so much about our identification with Christ. See, in the four gospels, we see the description of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, right? Jesus died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. The four Gospels, in other words, now this is, I'm giving you an aerial view to understand your Bible. The four Gospels are a photograph. Okay? Think of it this way. In Paul's letters, in the epistles, we see that we were there in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. We're, we're, now in the epistles, we're seeing that we're in here. In the gospels, we're seeing the events, like a photo. We could watch Jesus. In the epistles, we see us. Okay? Once you understand that, you'll really start to understand the epistles. Right? See, in the epistles, well... In the Gospels, you see what man saw, right? They, they saw Jesus heal people. They saw all this stuff. They saw him die. They saw him raise. All these things, they saw him. In the epistles, you see what God the Father saw. You see what the angels saw. You see what Satan and every demon in hell saw, right? See, the Gospels are a photograph. The epistles are like an x-ray or an MRI. Right? You're seeing the same picture, but you're seeing into it deeper. Do you understand that? That's how come you got to live in the epistles. Yes, read, read the Gospels. That's great. The more you understand the epistles, the more you'll understand the gospel because you'll start to see you in there. In the gospels, if you want to learn how the Holy Spirit leads you, it's real simple. Just read the gospels. I mean, because the Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus. So the way Jesus led his disciples, once you understand in the, in the epistles, how the Holy Spirit leads you, be like, oh yeah, and you could see that in the Gospels. And then once you understand these principles in the New Testament, you could go back in the Old Testament now, and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I'm seeing, I'm seeing all this stuff different. Right? Same event, just you're seeing into the event. See, when Mary was standing there, the mother of Jesus, seeing her son crucified, she didn't see Tony, but Tony was there. And in the epistles, I could see that I was there. When Jesus came out of the tomb and Mary went to touch him, Mary couldn't see Tony standing there, couldn't see you standing there. But when Jesus was raised, 
You and I were raised with them. See, at the ascension, all these guys are standing there and the ladies are standing there and Jesus is taken up. He ascended into heaven. And they saw him ascend into heaven. But what they didn't see was you were ascending into heaven too. Do you see that? We have to understand these things. This is not some weird gospel. This is why if you don't understand this, it doesn't make sense. And then you'll sit there and go, well, Tony, that can't be true. That's just too good to be true. Yeah, it's called the gospel. News that is too good to be true. You are not just seeing Christ. You are seeing in Christ. Do you see that? It just, it wrecks me in a good way when I even talk about these things. Because I can tell you, the little bit that I know about seeing into Christ, I get so thrilled because I understand that five million years from now, I will be hungrier and I will see more and I will still be sitting just like now going, there is so much more. And then 50 million years or a billion years from now, do you know you're going to live that long? You parents make every decision for your children based on how long they're going to live. They're going to live forever. Number one, you want to make sure they're living with you and not lost. See, the epistles, this shows us who we are. It shows us what we have. It shows us what we can do in Christ. Not in ourself. We can't take any credit for this. Don't even want to. Right? Don't even want to. Isn't that thrilling? So God, in the resurrection of Christ, was working in Christ. God saved us by doing the work in Christ, and then he created us in Christ. Remember how we read? We've been created in Christ. But before he could create us in Christ, he had to do the work in Christ. But once the work was done in Christ, then he created us in Christ. So you're created in Christ. Wow. Everything you are as a child of God, as a Christian, is because you are in Christ. You don't grow into this. You are in Christ right now. Have access to everything. The very presence of God. You have access to all the blessings of God. Everything is already yours. It changes your prayer life. Because you're no longer begging God to do something. You realize he already did it. And it's all there for you. And he wants you to have it. And literally all you got to do To talk to the Father, positionally, is look to the left. Because you're in Christ. You're at the Father's right hand. The Father God, the creator of everything, is right next to you. Wow. I love that. So now we could understand the verse that I left you with last Sunday. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this. For we are his workmanship. This is the Greek word poema. We get our word poem from it. It, The word literally means to make. It literally gives you a picture of a masterpiece and a work of art that God made. Do you realize God looks at you? He made you in Christ. You are his work of art. You are his work masterpiece you are isn't that amazing we are his workmanship created where in Christ Jesus remember I said this last week that God the father put everything in Christ that he wanted in you everything wow in the epistles One man, we said this before, right? Adam got us in this mess. 
But then one man, Jesus Christ, completely got us out of the mess. We are completely out of the mess. Amen? Satan will yell and scream and use circumstances and use the economy and use the world. I mean, the world system's crazy. There's so many people dying of hunger and there's so much food spoiling. That's, that's, that's the enemy. Right? It, it's just, it's crazy, but we are in the world, but we are not governed by the world. We obey the laws of the land. Right? We obey those laws, we walk in them right up until if the land tells me you can't serve God, well, then I, then I got to go, well, no, I'm out because I've got to follow God, right? I've got to do this and, I, and you know, I'll, I'll pay the consequences in joy and in peace and I'll still be blessed, right? But nobody's going to shut my mouth. Well, you can't tell people about Jesus. Well, okay. Right? You know who you are in Christ. Guess what you do? Really? I can't? Okay, let's open every window. Let's open every door. Let's get a megaphone out. Hey, I need to tell all you people about Jesus. Because the righteous are as bold as a lion. They're not afraid. Right? Because what, what is our life? Our life is tucked away with, with Christ and God. Don't put, your, don't, don't put every bit of your energy into all the stuff that's passing away. Right? So go ahead and put up, Zach, go ahead and put up that first statement. And I'm just going to leave this up here so you guys can write it down. But this is the reality of your life and my life. We were immersed. We were crucified. We were buried. We were united with him, Jesus, in death. We were united with him in his resurrection. We were raised to newness of life. Wow. We were freed from sin. And now we live in him. You won't live in him until you realize all that stuff before that. And you could all thank my wife for that. We were talking this morning and she's like, oh, you should put that up because it's so hard, you know. You just, just write it down while I'm listening. Yeah, there we go. See, what we must know this. <laughs> we must know this, Right? To know who we are in him so that we could walk in our freedom. Remember the word that God had for you this year for our church is that you would walk in the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. That's for you. There's a grace to do it, but you're going to have to make some decisions. And here's the thing. What decisions? Many of you don't even know all the decisions because you have blind spots. So you got to ask the Holy Spirit to get rid of some of the blind spots to help you see them. Because there's people. I'm not talking about the church down the street. I'm talking about our church. That there's things in your life that is literally leading people that you love astray. Amen. And you have blind spots in your life. God has commissioned you and sent you to an area to be light, and you're not. Because you're in fear, because you're distracted, you're not in the word of God. I mean, now in America, if you go to church on a Sunday, you're a rock star. That's crazy. Right? You know, a good friend of mine wants me to come to New Zealand and teach in the Bible school there. You'll go eight to ten hours, and these people are wondering why you want to go back to your hotel. What, where are you going? No, no, we want more. You're like, ten hours? They're so hungry. Right? See, this, this statement, this is talking about positional truth. It's not talking about temporal truth. I live temporally from the position of in Christ. 
I walk on this earth with my mind and my eyes fixed on the fact that I'm immersed. I'm seated with him where I am positionally. So when the enemy comes at me, listen, I don't see him like this. I see him like this. So important. Because if you don't, you'll get in fear. Fear will open the door for the enemy to work, to steal, kill, and destroy. Thank God the good news is if, you, if you're living in that, you could shut that door and God will come and restore all of it. Why? Because it's who you are. It's who you are. See, Satan tries to steal this fact from you and I, or I should say this fact, right? How does he do that? By getting us to think it is a temporal truth. He wants you to see your life as it is on this earth. Well, you know, I really need this, but I see no way of ever that ever happening. And that's just, that's just a wrong perception. And pastor, but you just don't understand what's happened to me. Jesus does. And he made you free. So don't let what happened to you mess with you anymore. Right? See, Adam's sin governed his family. Adam's sin caused sin and spiritual death to reign over our old man, who we were before Christ, because we were Adam's seed. Right? Jesus' sacrifice received by faith causes righteousness to reign over our new man, who we've been made in Christ, because we are now Jesus' seed, or God the Father's seed, if you want to say it that way. Jesus' sacrifice governs his family, which you and I are in. Not Adam's. So let's go to Romans chapter 6. Let's look at verse 9. This should thrill you so much that you can't even contain yourself. Look at this. Romans 6, 9 says this. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Wow. You must know that Jesus died, therefore death is defeated once and for all. It's defeated. Wow. When you identify yourself with Jesus' death, then you are no longer subject to spiritual death. You are no longer subject to sickness and disease. You're no longer subject to poverty and lack. That's where you are right now. You're no longer subject to fear, anxiety, depression. You're not sub- that's not, that has no legal right in your life. If it's in your life, you, you have the right to get it out. You could literally just change your perception and you'll realize, wait a minute, It sure felt like it was in my life, but it really wasn't. I'm literally far above any of that stuff. You must know that death is defeated once and for all. See, these things are no longer to have dominion over you as a child of God. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. Look at this. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, does he dwell in you? Yes. How will you be aware of it? You must, this is talking about you and I being spiritually minded. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, this means make alive, heal, and restore to health your mortal bodies 
by his spirit that dwells in you. But see, the Holy Spirit can't do that if you're not spiritually minded. If you don't live in Christ, you'll never lay hold of that. He's unable to work. Why? Because you, you're not in faith. You don't believe it. You're buying the natural facts instead of the truth of God's word. See, Jesus, John 10.10, 10, came to give us zoe, that's the Greek word for the very essence of life that God has. And that life put us in union with Christ. And because you right now have the life of God in you, because of that, it is our instinct, it is our very nature to believe the word of God and speak the word of God and to be unmovable in him. It's your very nature. It's not natural for you to be afraid. It's not natural for you to be under circumstances. It's not natural for you. And this is why so many Christians are so frustrated because they go to churches and they don't hear the word. So, so they don't even realize this. But we're starting to see it. But see, this is what happens in our church. We hear this stuff so much, we just think it's automatically going to happen because I could quote a verse. But, but the problem is, we just, we just have mental assent to it, but it's not really in our heart. Well, but pastor, I could quote these scriptures. Okay. You could quote them. Quote them. Quote them over and over and over. It's called meditating in the word. And then all of a sudden it'll open up and you'll see it. And now things change. Because when, when that opens up in, inside of you, what happens? Faith comes by hearing. You hear the word say to you, listen, Tony, you are healed. You stand in the authority that I've given you and get sickness and disease out of your body. Get poverty and lack out of your life. Tell fear to leave. Speak to the mountain. Don't talk to me about the mountain. I already dealt with it. I did my part. You got to believe it. And, I'll, and when you speak to the mountain, I'll move it. Amen. Right? Because of all I've, gone, uh, all I've given you. See, the crowning achievement in Jesus' death and burial and resurrection and ascension, what is that crowning achievement? It's eternal life. God put in Christ, again, everything that he wanted in us. Wow. And your identification with Christ is the foundation of mind renewal. You will never start the process of re renovating your thinking if you don't understand this. Wow. So, let's talk about something else here. We are talking about a lot of stuff. Yikes, right? So profound insight into the divine method of salvation comes from these two words, in Christ. If you don't understand in Christ, you will not be able to see and understand the divine or the profound insight and the divine method of even getting saved, of salvation. You won't understand it. You'll think salvation is I go to heaven. Well, that's great. But that's not helping us right now. And guess what? You know, listen, we're not going to deal with the devil in heaven. Right? We're going to deal with him a little bit when we come back. Do you realize you're only going to be in heaven for seven years, right? Oh, heaven's my home. Well... You're going to be there for seven years. It's an award ceremony. It's going to be an incredible dinner for seven years and party. When God parties, he parties, right? Oh, yes, he does. But then, all of a sudden, we're, it, you know, i got to wrap my mind around this one. I'm going to get on a horse. I still remember when I met my wife. On one of our first dates, we went on a horse ride. And I'm thinking to myself, why... Do I want to get on something that weighs 2,000 pounds that has the brain of a size of a golf ball? And, you know, I'm on this horse, and this horse is looking at me going, um, I don't want you on me. And, and back then, I was, you know, a little more aggressive than I am now. 
So I made this horse. He wasn't, he was trying to, remember that? I kind of was, when you weren't looking, I'm like, bam, right? You know, I mean, I feel bad about that, but I was, you know, you, you know, don't you even think about bucking me off of here. I'll get a baseball bat, man. I was just young and immature, right? But we're going to have to get on a horse and come back. Jesus, are you sure? Is there a Lexus up here? I'll just drive a car, even a motorcycle, right? No. Yeah, right? So we're going to come back to this earth, and for a thousand years, we're going to be light again, because there's going to be a lot, some people left, right? All this stuff that we're going we're gonna to tell about Jesus, and it's going to be a little different, because, you know, in a sanctuary, we could just say, see, there's Jesus. He's in Jerusalem right now, right? You really need to give your heart to him. It's going to be amazing how there's going to be a lot of people that still don't, right? But we need him now. How'd I get off on all that? Wow. <laughs> profound, yeah, the horse messed me up. Profound insight. <laughs> profound insight into the divine method of salvation comes from these two words, in Christ. See, this is talking about not only does God save you, but how you got saved, how you got delivered, how you got redeemed, how you got healed and prosperous. You have to understand the profound insight and the divine method. So what is the divine method? What is the divine process of salvation? It's like, well, come on, pastor, that's just simple. Here it is. God begins by, now this is his method. This is how he does it. He begins by reuniting us to himself. Okay? Through this union, he gives us his divine life. Without his life, discipline's futile. Try to live holy. The Bible says on your best day, your holiness is like filthy rags. So see, see God, God's divine method and process of salvation is first step number one, I've got to send my son to take their place so that I could unite them back with me. And once I do this, now through this union that I now have with them, I could impart and infuse my righteousness, my life to them, which will enable them to walk out their life. God does not work on us until we are gradually fit to be united with him. But a lot of believers think that. Well, you know, I just got, it, it's just, it's a process. It takes time. No, 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 no. You had to be united with him. Do you know when you got saved, Colossians says your life is literally tucked away with Christ or with Christ in God. You're united with him. You're one with him. Wasn't that Jesus's prayer before he went to the cross? That they might be one even as we are one. You and me, me and you, us and them, them and us, right? That's, he had to unite us with him. Then he could impart his, his literally life to us so to empower us to walk it out. You got to understand that. If you don't, you're going to go lead somebody to Christ. You're going to beat them up with the Bible and you're going to tell them, listen, if you don't change your behavior, you're going to burn in hell. And to a person who's spiritually dead, they're going to be like, shut up, you jerk. First of all, I don't believe there is a hell. Second of all, right, I don't believe there's a God. And, and what, what are you talking about? And if there is a hell, great. I'm going to go there and party with all my friends. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. Party with all your friends? That just makes me, ugh. But they just don't know. See, we must be united with God in order to walk holy. There are so many Christians that are beating themselves up 
every day because they want to do better and then they fall and they want to do better and then they fall and and satan just eats their lunch but i'm here to tell you you have already been united with christ he his life has already been infused in you you have everything to walk this out but you have to know it right what are we talking about let's look at this so legalism's method says this you could say legalism you could say religion this is the method you walk in holiness in order to obtain a union with god but that's that's completely backwards to god's divine method and process of salvation because man could never do that see so many christians are literally trying to be good enough to get in christ they don't even realize it and they're already in christ religion is through effort and works that's why the very word means to bind god's divine salvation divine method of salvation is through what we call grace it is god doing for us what we could never do for ourselves god has already done the work for us and then he gives it to us through his grace by grace through faith the moment you know actually put that up zach i have i that's that's the second one by grace through faith the moment you make Jesus your Lord, you are put in him and given access to everything that God has. The moment. So right now today, you're there. Wow. I'm so glad I got up and came to church today, right? So now we're ready. We're ready to look at a scripture. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, almost done. Well, almost ready to pause. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You guys know this, but maybe we'll see it a little deeper now. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creature. Right? New. This means new in kind and in quality. The word creature means an original form, a new species, one that never existed before. Old things are passed away. The old self-centered, spiritual death person that you were is all gone. Behold, all things are become new. But all of the newness, it's all in Christ. In other words, God, when you got saved, deposited everything he has and everything he is in Christ. And then you, when you made Jesus your Lord... He puts you in Christ. Wow. Go ahead and put that third statement up there, Zach. God deposited everything he has and everything he is in Christ. And then, when when you made Jesus your Lord, he put you in Christ. See, God had had to do this work through his son so that we could be united with him so that he could now impart his life to us, so now we could be his child, and now we could walk in the earth and be light in this world. See, God sees you in Christ. You know why? Because that's the only place he could see you. That's where you are. But here's the big thing. You must see yourself in Christ. How do you do that? Through the word of God, by the spirit of God. You do that by acknowledging with your mouth. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am who God says I am. Say that with me. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. Say this with me. I have what God says I have. Say this with me. I can do do. what God says I can do. Why? Because 
of the divine work of salvation. Hallelujah. You are such a new person in Christ that you will have to allow God to introduce you to yourself. Right? Otherwise, you won't know who you are in him, what you have in him, what you can do in him. You won't know that you have a new father. Right? I have, a brand, I have a new father. He's the creator of all things. He's the God of heaven. Right? You have been washed in the blood of Jesus. You have been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Hallelujah.